this is something unique with the McCarthy Project. How'd you come up with the idea to do it like this, to basically put together a coaching staff while you're waiting for your next job? Frankly, we fell into it. You know, watch video, stay on top of what's what's going on in the NFL and in college. As we sat down and collaborated, the, the ideas grew and, and, and the fact of keeping the group tight uh, became a focus because it enabled us to get a lot more work done. So kind of a Monday through Friday operation. We wrote things down and made a board. And so the ability to share all the information, but still make progress towards be, just being ready for this, this next opportunity. And on a personal level, I think it's helped all of us. Sustaining success in this league is is the biggest challenge to do it right and to be in position to win it every year. That's you know that that's what I'm that's that's what I'm looking for. So that's that's the opportunity. That's who I want to be paired with. And I'm not trying to just go win one. I'm trying to win them all. You flip on the lights. You're ready to roll. Oh, uh, we're ready to roll. Yeah, we could. You could turn off these bright lights and we could go. So yeah, we're ready. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. So, that didn't take long. Less than a day after quote-unquote officially letting go of Jason Garrett, Jerry and Steven waste no time and make it official with former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. We don't know much about what the details are other than it's a five-year deal, we think, that should keep uh, Mike McCarthy in Dallas, at least uh, with this core group of players. So, welcome in to this emergency edition of About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here. I'm handling all the technical details back here behind the scenes as we welcome in our three experts for this session of Cowboys Talk. And first, he's already camping outside McCarthy's office, so he can be the first to establish a good rapport with the new head coach. It's Father John Mishota. Hey, John. Didn't we just talk about this guy maybe, I don't know, less than 24 hours ago? <laughs> I know. Believe it or not, we got a lot of news. Um, even a, less than 24 hours ago, we uh, feel like we broke down this guy a lot, but man, uh, we've only just begun. Uh and speaking of that, returning gloriously, he spent time in Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl there in the 90s, and uh, he knows a thing or two about these Packers and Mike McCarthy. It's Brian Broaddus. Hey, Brian. Hey, boys. How are we doing? Thanks for uh, inviting me back. Yeah, I've got a few uh, few stories, but uh, I am not an owner of the Green Bay Packers like our, our uh, illustrious host, Kevin K.T. Turner. Oh, there we go, Kevin. Uh, as an owner of the Packers... We talked about this yesterday. Well, we had a lot of thoughts. I know your thoughts. You put them out on Twitter saying the Cowboys don't want Mike McCarthy um, or shouldn't want Mike McCarthy. Uh, so now that it's official, KT, uh, how are you feeling? I just didn't think it, he would be the guy. Like, if he's your guy after you interview like 20 guys or 10 guys, then fine. You came to that conclusion. Good. Uh, just interviewing two guys. This feels so predetermined to me. Do you guys get the vibe that this is kind of like, Okay, Mike McCarthy's going to take a year off. He's going to reevaluate himself, but his agent's like, hey, look, that Garrett, his contract's going to be up. So maybe Dallas is the job you want. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy's a Pittsburgh guy, so you know, we'll see if that Steelers job opens up. But if it doesn't, that Dallas job might be open. The fact that they only interviewed two people, one to satisfy the Rooney rule, tells me that the Cowboys have had their eye on Mike McCarthy for a long time, and this feels – a little more predetermined. What do you guys think about wait, that? Wait a second. I just want to ask you this, KT. Are you painting the picture that Mike McCarthy was potentially sitting at his house in Wisconsin watching all of these Cowboys games and rooting for the other team? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm absolutely saying that. <laughs> I like this. In that, piece, in that piece, he mentions 
uh, talking about Dak Prescott and how Dak Prescott attacks the deep crossing route. That's one of the things they were going to look at. And he's going to get his team of 15 uh, blood boys, millennial analytics guys, to go go get going. I, I, I just think it's real strange. I think it's strange on the Cowboys' end. Let's start there. Right? Yeah, I, I'll throw in my two cents. You know, this is to me about the Cowboys just being comfortable, Jerry and Steven Jones being comfortable with a guy. You know, this was not about – this was – this was not going to be, you know, big change and all that. You know, the Cowboys are going to do this the way they want to do this. They're going to go out there. They're going to hire a guy that they feel comfortable with. The Jerry and Steven both. This was never going to be an issue, you know, and, and I wanted to believe it. I really, really wanted to believe that, that when Jerry Jones stood up there after the Washington game and said, hey, you know, there's, there's big changes. I see this, the changing of times and stuff like that. I really wanted to believe that that was the case. I understand, you know, Stephen Jones could have back channeled a lot of this stuff. I had a lot of hope that they were going to cast a big net and catch a, hopefully a big fish. Yeah. Mike McCarthy's record speaks for itself. He's got wins. You know, he's got division championships. He's got a super bowl. That's all great and fine and dandy, but this was going to come down to the Joneses being comfortable. They interviewed guys that they were comfortable with. Stephen Jones had worked on competition committees before, you know, not with Mike McCarthy, but he knew of Mike McCarthy. But you know, you look at you know with uh, with what they you know with the uh, with Marvin Lewis. You know, with, with the name Jeff Fisher came out. You know, as a possibility. So, you know, this was never going to be about going out and really, really, really digging on this. This was going to be go get the comfortable guys because the Joneses believe that they can win the way they're going to win, and that's the way they're doing it. And you know, this is not about this is not about going out and you know, talking to the guy at New England, you know, it's not going out about talking to the guy at Oklahoma. It's not about, you know, Urban Meyer. It's not about any of that. It's about who they felt comfortable with, who they could bring in here and potentially push some other uh, candidates, uh, other guys of, uh, you know, offense and defensive line, which is something that general managers do all the time. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see who all ends up on this staff. If Mike McCarthy is able to bring in a James Campen from the Cleveland Browns to be his offensive line coach instead of Mark Colombo, then I'll start to kind of turn my attitude about it around. But this guys, to me, this is all about comfort and the Jones has got exactly a guy that's going to make them feel comfortable. And now is that how he was in green Bay? Like I, I know that obviously there's a different dynamic there in terms of ownership and, and general manager and that. And I feel like he probably had a lot more say and in, in, in that, but it just seems like, um, you know, he, listening to Bob Sturm talk about him on the radio a little while ago, just talking about how he was kind of a control freak. And I just wonder how that pairs up with basically a lot of stuff that you're saying. People, like, you know. There's people that say that he has a big ego, you know, and he has. And the more that he won, the more success he had, the more the ego got bigger. And the fact that the Packers don't have an owner, well, they have an owner like KT, but KT can go to a meeting with 53,000 other people you know, on a summer's day and listen to the general manager talk about what the team is going to do. So you don't have that checks and balances in Green Bay. Trust me, I, I lived there for five years. I worked in that organization. Yeah, it was a while back, but the guy who hired him was Ted Thompson, who on my very first day at the Packers was his first day at the Packers, December 12th, 1991. So yeah, there is a, it's a unique situation in Green Bay. It's all about football. But yeah, you know, to me, this is where, you know, you, you start talking about egos and not only the head coach have an ego, we know that that quarterback has an ego. There's a lot of things going on there. So, 
you know, I, you, you're going to have some buttings of heads and stuff. But I think that, again, the, the word I heard was there's really not the checks and balances that you have in other organizations. And that's just because you don't have the ownership group there. You have a president you have to answer to, but you really don't have somebody standing over you every day saying, OK, well, this is what you need to do. So that's going to be a lot different from you know, from what he experienced in Green Bay to being a guy that is clearly out in the forefront every single time something's going on with that football team. I guess real quick, I want to ask both of you guys this. Then why would he take this job then? Because he clearly has interest from other teams and he's already interviewed with other teams. Why take this if he's going to kind of be forced into, you know, taking assistant coaches and, and then having Jerry Jones over well, him and, and second guessing him? I, I think, and KT, I'm sorry, I'll jump in here real quick. I know I'm doing a lot of talking early in this, this uh, podcast here, but this is this is about. This is about, are you going to take the job with the best quarterback? You know, who is, you know, when you look at, you, you know, you look at, think about the Carolina job and he's interviewed there, you know, Carolina could have hired him. You know, they brought him back a couple of times, but Carolina wanted to talk to, you know, Josh McDaniels and Josh McDaniels was likely to get that job. You know, I mean, talking to people around the league, they feel like, okay, that's the one, you know, the owner of the Carolina Panthers already calling Robert Kraft and tell, asking Robert, hey, are we okay if this if I hire your guy? And oh, yeah, everything's fine. That you know, we're good. So you know, this uh, what job was he going to get? Was could he get the Giants' job? You know, the Giants look like to me they're going to you know they're they're holding on the guy at Baylor is what they sound like there. So maybe this is a deal where he's looking at the landscape and saying, well, man, that looks like an absolute train wreck. He goes, remember this, Elliot Wolf and some guys, some Packer guys are still in in Cleveland right now. You know, so maybe they're telling ownership, well, yeah, good guy, this, that, and the other. But maybe this was the only job he was going to really be able to get. You know, I, I that's maybe that he's at a point where you look at the quarterback, you look at the roster, but he's got to look at it and say, wow, okay, well, maybe this is the only real opportunity I have. And, you know, what if they like me, I sure got to like them. You know, I, I think about a few things with Mike McCarthy Overall, and I know I've, I've been very skeptical of his whole PR piece on analytics and all that stuff. The one thing that I will say, there's a couple ways to look at this. Well, there's a, there's a thousand ways to look at this. I, I He's going to be a guy that spends a lot of time with the quarterback. And I think that's something that's very important to remember. Um, he is going to be very quarterback friendly with this offense. Um, if you're one of those people like me who wanted someone a little more geometrically savvy, like Lincoln Riley, I want a guy who can scheme guys open, you know. Now, McCarthy yeah, wasn't go. necessarily that in his final years. Let's take the glasses half full approach. A year off, just like a player getting cut, you know, it, it can motivate you. You know, I, so I, I, I do – I don't want to be like a complete cynic on that. I don't want to be a complete cynical a-hole about that. I think there's a chance he could reinvent himself and help himself out and all that stuff. You're going to get a guy who's a little different from Garrett and that – he is his messaging is going to be a guy who he says he's not going to tell you the story about the Buddhist monk ninety times or Bruce Springsteen. He's going to get his assistant coaches involved, and if Kellen's here, Kellen's is going to have to give some leadership speeches. And uh, you know the defensive coordinator. We'll talk about that in a minute. You know that that's going to be a thing. But what he is, he's maybe less player relatable than Garrett, if you can believe that. But I think he's very player-friendly. And I think we would say Garrett is a player-friendly coach, right? McCarthy is kind of the same way. McCarthy kind of well-known in Green Bay for giving Fridays off 
guys, go get your body right. And here's a massage. Get, get your uh, core, you know, worked on all that stuff. You know, he would. You like bringing up these massages. Oh, well, you have to, don't you? Um, but like, he's a guy who also, I think will the sim- similarities to Jason are there as well. He will treat this job like it is one of the iconic franchises in the world. And I think that's appealing to Jerry and Steven, especially Jerry. I think Mike McCarthy will be the type of guy who doesn't just treat this like any other head coaching job. He's going to treat this kind of like Jason does. Uh, Jason did. And that picture that John Mishota found from years ago of Jason with his head outside that train, smiling and looking at the wonderment of the world, that's what I think of McCarthy when he walks into AT&T Stadium. He's going to be there. And he's going to be there having his cup of coffee and going, my God, I can't believe that I'm working for the Dallas Cowboys. And I think Jerry likes that stuff. And he can go tell that stuff yeah, to Jerry I think in interview me, and you know, he eats that up. Yeah, this is going to be one of those things. And I talked to a couple of people about it on a couple of different levels. I talked about, okay, how how is he going to handle media stuff? There's people that say that he could be, absolutely be a jerk. He's inconsistent. You know, the, the, the smartest guy in the room. Why are you asking that question? That kind of thing. But I've also heard him be able to say in a one-on-one setting, you could find him pretty entertaining, you know, pretty personable and stuff like that. So maybe just being on the podium is a bad thing for all NFL coaches, yeah. you know, and you have to get him off on the side. Now, the most important thing I wanted to know is, okay, how is he going to work with the scouting department? How is he going to be able to, you know, the, the lifeblood of all NFL teams is how do you work with your personnel department? How do the coaches work with the personnel department? And so to me, talking to several guys that had worked with him in the draft room setting, he was very much a hands-off guy later on in his career because what he did was he developed trust with Ted. He developed trust with guys like Elliot Wolf, uh, you know, with uh, the, the John Dorseys, those guys who were all there. He developed a lot of trust with those guys. But initially, yeah, he wanted to be involved. He wanted to learn. But you know, once he figures out, and, and again, these are my Green Bay guys all talking to me saying, you know, he'll figure out that the, that Will McClay and, and and those guys are pretty good at their jobs. And once he figures out that trust, then he will let these guys do what they need to do. You know, he's not going to meddle in that. He's not going to have to have control. He's not going to say, hey, the 53-man roster, I've got to do this. I mean, you know, my experience of working with coaches in the, the, the Cowboys system is a coach can carry a big stick. A coach can come and say, we saw Jason Garrett take advantage of that, you know, and get pretty good at personnel. You know, Wade Phillips didn't care. Dave Campo didn't care. You know, Bill Parcells cared a lot about personnel. So depending on how involved you want to get, but again, I was just really interested, is he going to go over there and try and run rough shot over Will McClay and those guys? I don't get the feeling that's the, the case once he learns that he could trust you for you guys doing your jobs. I agree from afar. That's what I saw in Green Bay is him kind of staying out of it. Ted Thompson picks the players. They don't do much in free agency, which can be frustrating. Yeah, that that was a problem and, for sure. And, and that's where it all kind of came to a head. I do think it's just difficult in general. Uh, there's, there's two examples that have been brought up here, and I think these are very fair examples. Why is Andy Reid and Sean Payton seen as these untouchable guys when they both had their rough go of things? Andy Reid in Philadelphia before he moved to Kansas City. And Sean Payton had three straight, you know, losing seasons in New Orleans. And how are those guys untouchable and McCarthy's not? Well, McCarthy's got the ring and all that stuff. And I don't think that's all reasonable. I just think for me, I was looking for something and I was hoping that the Cowboys were looking for something different offensively, like maybe even schematically in general. And maybe the scheme will be different and maybe he has evolved. But 
the final years in Green Bay is not something I'm going to roll the dice on with a five-year deal at however, however much you're about to pay this guy. Because the final years in Green Bay, it was worse than the Lenahan days here in Dallas, offensively. You know what I was thinking about real quick since you mentioned that? What if five, ten years down the road we look back and the Linehan days were the best days? Why don't you chew on that it's, for a second? Think, At least they were going to the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this is where this is where I, this is where I'm thinking it it will be interesting. I, I know that's kind of always that's a way to kind of get into what you're trying to say. But is he going to keep Kellen Moore? You know, you know the, the Joneses can, and, and I've said this, and trust me, I've been a part of something like this. You know, you could recommend stuff to the new head coach. You know, that's that's you know, Jerry as a general manager, that's his prerogative. He can do that. You know, he has that kind of credibility that he can do. But you know, it, okay, is it Mark Colombo? Is it uh, you know, is it uh, going to be uh, Kellen Moore? Is it going to be John Kitna? Is it going to be Gary Brown? You know, if 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 he hires four of those guys, you know, then I'm going to sit there and go, okay, th- these things are that's no different here. No different. He he gave in to ownership and the general manager here to keep these guys on board. Are we going to see something different? I, I I'm excited. I would be excited. I'm like, okay, Mike McCarthy, new idea, new different plan, new ideas. You know, we saw some good things with Kellen Moore, but is it going to be okay? You know, the same things we saw with Kellen Moore, or is Mike McCarthy going to say, hey, Kellen, I wouldn't do it this way. I would think about doing it this way. You know, I, that's why I was on board with Lincoln Riley, because I wanted to see something different. I wanted to see something unique. And, you know, I don't know if the Green Bay think tank, you know, of a bunch of old coaches sitting around is really, you know, going to be a lot different. Maybe he saw some things. But I know one thing when coaches, when they, they revert back to things that they know can work, that, that coaches, you know, when you try to advance things. You know, you trying to, you know, that's one thing I learned with, with John Gruden and Andy Reid being on my Comrade staff. You know, they were trying to advance things, whether it was screen packages, red zone offense, and all that. You know, I hope, I hope that a, a, a year away from Mike McCarthy could open his eyes to some of these things that needs to be done in the league, you know, the way teams move the ball. Yeah. But if, if it goes back to, and all of a sudden KT's tweeting about, I saw this whole thing in Green Bay. I saw this in the red zone. I sure saw this on third and one. Then, then what did we really do here? You know, but won't but won't some of it still have some success just because it's a completely new group of personnel? Obviously, the stuff that Dak's going to do. He didn't have a, you know a quarterback like Dak. He didn't have a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. He had different receivers. You know, I'm talking just in the short term. Don't you think that even if he is doing some of the similar stuff, that they'd still have success because you're essentially just you know. You're putting it. You're putting it uh, in NASCAR terms. You're putting a different driver in a different car. Yeah. No. 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 I, I think so. And I think I think what you're going to get here. And one thing I thought about too. I said your likelihood of getting Randall Cobb back probably just went up a little bit as well. Um, because I do think Mike McCarthy was liked by his players. Um, and he's a guy. Also, he will not force a tight end on you all game. He will like. He will want to do like a lot of twenty personnel. He'll, he'll like to use two running backs. So I think he's going to love yeah. having Pollard and Zeke. I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of slant flat combinations out there on the outside, man. Just get ready for yeah. that. You're going to get a lot of that. I think the short passing game could get enhanced. I think he will – you know, his last few years in Green Bay, 
he was bottom of the league in running the football in terms of the, the yeah. attempts. But over the years, if you really branch it on out, they had some good running teams. I mean, the year they won the Super Bowl, and they were the sixth seed that year they won the Super Bowl because Aaron got hot. But they had Ryan Grant and Brandon Jackson. They had a pretty formidable running game there with those guys. They had a pretty formidable running game with Eddie Lacy for a few years. But over the years, he, he kind of quit going that route. I think you will see a good short passing game. He is a guy who, when play calling, will drive you nuts when you're going, would you just hand it to Zeke and go get four yards right here? He will drive you insane yeah. doing that because he will get pass happy. He will fall into those traps. And as I've mentioned on Twitter, and I think I said it on the last episode of About Them Cowboys, I don't necessarily – maybe you're not getting an upgrade in game manager and clock manager here. Uh, I don't, See, that that that's a problem to me. That's scary. I, I, that is a problem there was a, to me. It, now, maybe he sat down and watched a bunch of coaches mess up clocks all week, all year. But that, you know, I, I need a difference maker. I really, really do. I need somebody that's not going to not gonna lose me the game because they can't manage the clock and they can't use their timeouts. And I know, KT, you know, you'll probably tell me the story about the time that, you know, before the half, every, you know, every game, he's, he's burning a timeout and costing himself points. Um, I mean, I mean they're, they're, that's kind of what, I mean, that's the things I'm There's that. About. Now, I will say this, a couple of random stats that I found just to, just for fun here as I kind of dove into the well today. Uh, in his last, well, this is actually 2015 to 2017 is all I could find on stats for this. 2015 to 2017, he was second in the NFL in head coaching challenges. So, hey, that's all right. Yeah. That, those are That's important these days. Um, the thing I'll say about that, the game and cog managing, look, there's not a lot of I, – I, you can probably find an example of every coach and go to, to any fan of any team and they'll tell you that their coach is probably not a good game or clock manager. But we, we, we legitimately saw this. We saw this recently in Green Bay last year. They were down by one score. It was fourth and two with about 40 minutes uh, – with about uh, uh, four minutes left in the game, okay? Fourth and two, they're down with about four minutes left in the game, and they're in the other team's territory, and he chooses to punt. And then he goes to the yeah. podium after the game, and he does not like getting asked about it. And he says, well, the numbers said – and then he sits there and talks about how the numbers dictated all this. Now, I've talked to a player who has played for him in the past – um, and he said that honestly, they had a pretty good as a staff in Green Bay, pretty good analytic situation. Um, he specifically was talking about how you know they would go and they would self scout and take a look at the analytics and things like that, and then they would get you know maybe sheets that would say, let's just use a, a, an example, let's say, um, a name a pass rusher, let's say Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is rushing the passer, all right. Well, he is rushing the passer, and this percent of the time he is doing a rip. Uh, this percent of the time he's going to try to do a spin move. This percent of the time he's stunning inside. This uh, percent of the time he's going to attack your outside shoulder, just try to get you on a bull rush. So, like I said, they had pretty advanced analytics, um, you know, from from a game planning standpoint. So, I think that's kind of cool. But I'm talking about in game analytics. And, you know, he's the guy who boldly said in that – I swear it kind of looked like a sitcom or it looked like a like one of those like mockumentaries. But in that NFL Network piece that he did about finding himself and going out to the barn with Jim Hazlitt, he talks about wanting to hire a big analytics staff and getting ahead of the curve yeah. on that. And I, I just – I feel better about Sean Payton and Andy Reid who always feel like they're 
way above that. But, hey, Sean Payton and Andy Reid aren't available. So, here's your guy. He says he's going to do analytics. Is he going to walk the walk here? I'm very, very interested to find out because I've seen him – I've seen him lie before, I guess, is what I'll say. <laughs> well, I know in my what? days, my last few days with the Cowboys, they do have an analytics department, and there were like, you know, but it was like the guys and the gals that were sitting at the table at training camp, KT yeah. and, and John, you know, we walk by and we're, you know, is it is it analytics for performance or is it analytics for what you need to do for, you know, for a game to make sure that you don't mess up a game? Yeah. You know, I know there's – there's things that analytics don't account for, and I'm trying to learn, you know, what those are. But you know, to me, if you know, he's talking about massive amounts of analytics and stuff. He, he's probably going to walk in there and say, "Oh, right, we have four guys to do this." Okay, great. You know, well, what else do you do? You know, where, where are the other guys? And you know, if 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 he's this analytics stuff might be a big thing to him as a talking point, but when in reality, he's probably going to look at the Cowboys and say, "Ah, we got enough guys." We got enough guys. This is, we're getting good information here. Now, if we do start hearing about some hires, that's a whole nother thing. But, you know, Tom Robinson and that group there at the analytics department with the Cowboys, you know, he, he might very well say, well, you know, I got the job. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like being, you know, running for president and then all of a sudden promising a bunch of stuff. And then at the end of the day, you really don't deliver, but maybe a quarter of what you really, you know, campaigned for, you know. So we'll see. One thing I wanted to point out real quick that I thought was interesting is Rob Domofsky, who covers the team, uh, covers the Packers for ESPN. Uh, he tweeted something a few hours ago talking about that he was told that one of the big reasons why the Cowboys like McCarthy is because he felt like they regularly beat the Cowboys with what Jones thought was inferior talent, or at least what the Cowboys thought was, which I'm figuring is Jerry Jones. Yeah. And so I just think that's interesting because everyone's going to point to those playoff losses and that. But the one that stands out to me, and I don't remember the year ex- exactly, I want to say maybe it was 2013-ish, somewhere in there, when they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. Matt and, Flynn. I, and Matt Flynn came uh, to AT&T Stadium. And, and that's one of those games where I kind of was thinking about that. The problem with that, though, is, and, and it feeds into kind of what you're saying, Brian, is that, like, that's looking into the past and not looking, yeah. you know, kind of into the future. And it's almost like, well, I've seen this can happen, and so I think it can happen again. And I know that, you know, he's outcoached us plenty of times, um, it's interesting how that probably was a major factor. Yeah, I mean, Matt Flynn went and earned some money off that year in Green Bay. In fact, he found a way to scramble them into the playoffs that year. It was 2013, uh, right? That sounds right. I know it was, the, it was the year that Randall Cobb caught the touchdown pass at Soldier Field in Week 17 to win the division because Aaron Rodgers came back. I guess okay, course, we right. have more recent evidence of him uh, performing without his number one quarterback. And that's Brett Hundley. And maybe Brett Hundley is just a garbage quarterback, but he sucked with Brett Hundley. I mean, that was really bad. Yeah. The Brett Hundley experience was way different than the Matt Flynn experience. But my, my, my issue is, look, you're the Dallas Cowboys. You were the most lucrative franchise in all of sports. You hi, you you interviewed two guys. To me – but but you don't know that they didn't put feelers out yeah. on other people that might just not. Oh, have been there's like no a, question they back like channeled some stuff. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah, but like I said, this was about feeling good about the guy. They you know they didn't. There was nothing uncomfortable about these interviews. I mean, Mike McCarthy. You know, the first few questions should have been about how do you handle Dak? And okay, tell us about basically what happened the last you know last part of the last year with you and Aaron Rodgers. You know, maybe he did. Maybe he explained to him that. You know, Aaron Rodgers is an egomaniac. 
you know, and he thinks he's smarter than me and he thinks he's better than me and all, you know. Well, toughen Man, up. I, I, I would like to believe that he tried to explain to the Joneses what, what the hell happened those last couple of years in Green Bay. You know, I'm, I'm sure he did. Those are those are those are points you have to, you know, the stories about. And I know KT and I'll go round and round about the massage things and stuff. I mean, he's hearing this. I'm hearing that. We're hearing, the, you know, it's back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, I mean, again, there's people there that, you know, there says some really good things about him. And there's some people that not. And again, this is the Cowboys feeling comfortable with a guy, you know, and they that they that they feel like that. OK, maybe we can help him this way or help him this way or help him that way, you know, whatever. I, I just, you know, I, 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 me personally, I'd like to have seen him talk to a bunch of different people and kind of figure some things out. And maybe they did. Maybe they, I could say, maybe they back channeled a lot of stuff. They got, they got the guy at Oklahoma to say, I'm not interested. The Baylor guy says I'm from New York, uh, from that area over there. I'm more interested in being on that side of the, the country. And, you know, maybe they maybe they did what they had to do without interviewing people. Yeah, you know, maybe or, or uh, maybe Lincoln Riley sent a text saying, "Look, I'm not in a good uh, sp- can't do it spot now. in my life. Yeah, I, can't I do appreciate it. it. Yeah, please don't yeah. hit me in ten years. Yeah, please don't yeah. start the buzz. You know, I'm good here yeah. in Oklahoma. I don't want the attention. Yeah, uh, you know yeah. all that stuff. That's fair. Still publicly, you interviewed two guys, and it looks bad. Yeah, it looks bad. And it's a guy who the last time he was a head coach, it was. A S show. I mean, it was a full on garbage tire fire. Okay. So I just want yeah. everyone to know that. Like, that's you who you just locked up for five years. The last time he was a head coach, he sucked. Before that, fine. Before that, fine. And I just think if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, remember the first podcast we had when we were still in the season and fighting for our effing lives? And we were talking yeah. about Broadus, you came on and said, I'm the Cowboys. I'm taking a big swing here. Well, yeah. you just went and just got a guy who I've got a lot of questions about, and who everyone should. Well, have you a lot wouldn't of have any about. questions about Lincoln Riley. No, you have plenty of questions. You wouldn't have any you know questions what? about Urban Meyer. I would have taken a shot on Lincoln Riley just because I, 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 I'm betting on. I'm betting on young, innovative, and I'm, I'm betting on something different. That's what I'm betting. I bet on the 2020 get, offense over get, the 2010 offense. Re- resume is is impressive. Don't get me wrong about that. Yeah. You know, and I hope it works out. I also hope he gets to hire the guys he wants to hire. You know, I hope, you know, if it's, you know, if the Cowboys are going to say, well, listen, we gave you this job because you're going to take four of these offensive coaches on. And again, I look at it and say, and I'm sure people who listen to this podcast going, well, wait a minute, brought us the offense wasn't the problem. You know? Yeah. Well, okay. You didn't, there's, there's some games you didn't score enough points. There's some games you didn't, you know, you didn't finish drives. So it was all a problem. I'm just saying, if Mike McCarthy can make a difference and and it could prove to me that he could be different in that way, then I'm I'm all for this. And I'm not I'm I not going to bash him for this one. I guess where I'm coming from is I'm just saying I think that whoever they were going to get, there are going to be questions because I didn't truly believe that they were going to get Nick Saban. I didn't truly believe that they were going to get Bill Belichick. I didn't truly believe that they were going to get Sean Payton. And so. And even with the Sean Payton, there'd still be some questions there, obviously, with the way that uh, their season ended um, as bad as it did yesterday. And it clearly shouldn't have. That team's way better than that team should still be playing. Um, but that's wins, for another podcast. No yeah. And, uh, and, and and I put Mike Zimmer in the same category as, as Mike McCarthy. I don't think there's a major difference there. I don't see, I don't see how uh, anybody should feel tremendously better well, if they were able to get Mike Zimmer over Mike McCarthy. Well, KT will tell you Mike Zimmer wasn't coming here. I mean, KT was on that a while ago. Yeah, so, and then, you know, then you don't tweet connect something. the dots. And matter of fact, Chris Mortensen even confirmed yesterday what he said. And then he, he tweeted something about it. about it afterwards, and everyone says, "Why were you holding on to that information?" 
Well, because I didn't feel like I needed to tell the world that. Yeah. Just yeah. trust me. Do you? And it. I mean, there's stuff that we all have that you just can't. Exactly. You can't put every single thing out there. Um, I mean, heck, because some of the stuff you don't even know if it's true or not. But in the other times, it's just you also don't want to put things out there because of how it might affect uh, you getting other information down the road. And it's not that important at the time. I mean, everybody. I mean, I would say with this coaching search, I think it is funny on Twitter. People are constantly asking you, like, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Well, like, I'm certainly not going to tweet anything that I don't know is somewhat certain because I know that if that's wrong, you're going to throw it back in my face for years to come. Like, like, for example, you think Mike Leslie's living down that tweet about the entire coaching staff has been let go, especially when this next coaching staff might still have some of those coaches on yeah, there. I mean, exactly. you don't want to be throwing that stuff out. Exactly. There like especially. Yeah, it's, it's very volatile, too. It's almost like it's not even what's the reward for it, you know? You only get killed for it. And when people ask me what I'm hearing, I'm like, well, I'm hearing my neighbor yell at his kids. Um, okay, so two tweets I want to talk about real quick, okay? Two tweets. Uh, this is defensive coordinator oriented. First, Jane Slater. Uh, Rod Marinelli tells Jane that he's made no decision about his future, but with a move in a different direction on defense clear, he tells me, the only thing I know is they can't send me back to Vietnam. After that, it's cake. Outlook is always forward. So that's classic yeah. Rod quote. Now, uh, TV reporter in New Orleans, Andrew Doak, reporting Mike Nolan was seen uh, getting congratulations and handshakes in the Saints facility parking lot today. One reporter asking, are you going to Dallas? Uh, Mike Nolan responding with, I think so. So I think we could jump to the conclusion if we roll out our jump yeah. to conclusions, Matt. I think we can jump to the conclusion that Mike Nolan will be the next defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. What do you guys think? I got a history with Mike Nolan. All right. You know, yeah. My my father, well, my father, my my uncle uh, played 18 years with the San Francisco 49ers. And matter of fact, when Mike Nolan was a young man, uh, maybe like my son's Bennett's age, uh, my uncle Charlie Kruger used to take him and his brother out camping in the desert and fishing and stuff like that. While his, while their dad, you know, Dick Nolan was coaching the team, my uncle just kind of took a liking to, and the, the, uh, the Nolan brothers hung out with my uncle a lot. And so, and then Mike was at LSU in 1984 when I was there as a player. Mike and I have a really, really great relationship. I'm really happy to see his name in the mix. I, I know that he got out of the business for a little bit got involved with Sirius Satellite Radio, did some of that, you know, and it was on some shows with him. Um, you know, guy is a really super smart guy, high energy guy, uh, you know, will will do a good job of, of teaching. That's a big, big thing for him. Um, you know, he's been in some really, really good systems. He's been around some really good players. Uh, you know, that, that's a, there's a lot of positivity about Mike Nolan and what he could bring, you know, to the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I, the one I was worried about was, Okay, are we going to see a, uh, a a Jim Hazlitt sighting? You know, and maybe you know because Jim Hazlitt is part of the Green Bay think tank. You know, people are telling me that maybe Jim will come on board as a, some type of a role, a consultant, maybe a senior assistant, or so, I don't know that kind of stuff. But he's not going to be the DC. So I was worried about that just from the aspect of he's a three four guy, and would you have to come in and change your personnel? you know, attack, you have to go get that big nose tackle, which they don't have. So, you know, there were some changes they'd have to make if, say, Jim Hazlitt was that guy. You know, Mike Nolan has done a little bit of a 4-3 and a 3-4 himself, so he kind of understands that. So he's able to be adaptable to what they need to do. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that because I've, I've always liked Mike as a person. 
But more importantly, I think Mike's a pretty damn good football coach and, you know, a, a really good teacher. And I think that's something you got to have. Yeah. When I first seen his name mentioned, I was kind of surprised, like looking back at like his resume, just how many different spots he's been the defensive coordinator. I mean, this goes back into like, you know, the early 90s. I mean, it's the Giants, the Redskins, the Jets, the Ravens. I mean, he was the 49ers head coach, Broncos defensive coordinator, Dolphins defensive coordinator, Falcons. I mean, so there's obviously a lot of experience there. Um, and as I told Brian before this podcast started, the thing I always think when I think of Mike Nolan is that the NFL wouldn't allow him to wear that suit on the sideline when he was the, when he was the 49ers head coach. And that yeah. disappointed me because I thought he should be allowed to show his own personality, but they didn't like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't kept up with him recently. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't even know he was a linebacker coach uh, with the Saints until uh, a few hours ago. So that's an interesting um, a name to be mentioned there. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, too, about is uh, what did you think of uh, that possibility that maybe they were talking to Marvin Lewis for maybe D.C.? Oh, I was I was all on that. Yeah, I was. I felt like that Stephen Jones, again, we talk about comfort, you know, and Stephen Jones, Marvin Lewis, you know, they were on the competition committee together, you know, that kind of thing. And I felt like that if if they if they didn't get the guy, say Mike McCarthy didn't take this job and they had to go another route of a guy who, a guy who doesn't have a DC in mind that Marvin Lewis was a guy they probably talked to to satisfy the Rooney rule. But Steven also said, Hey, are you thinking about getting back in this thing as a defensive coordinator? Maybe, you know, just trying to do that. And you know, that, that, that's the first thought that came to my mind. It wasn't Marvin Lewis, the head coach. It was Marvin Lewis. Are they, are they talking to him? Maybe yeah, as a head coach, but, in actuality, it was like, hey, Marvin, would you be interested in coming back as a DC or assistant head coach or associate head coach, whatever title you want to give him, you know, to, to kind of help a, a young coach along. But again, they went with the veteran guys. So all that went out the window. Yeah, I do like the fact that there's potential, though, with with Mike. No, I, I do like that the, the defense could be, you know, again, all this, not as official yet, could be headed towards a scheme change, though. And not just the basic yeah. thing they've been doing. And the fact that, as you mentioned, brought us experience in a 3-4, experience in a 4-3. You're kind of stuck in a 4-3. I think once you signed DeMarcus Lawrence to that contract, I don't really think there's any moving out of that. But I think there's so many things that you can do differently to just kind of mix it up a little bit. Now, I will say this. Wade Phillips was just uh, notified that his contract was not renewed in, uh, with the Rams. So how about that for like a linebacker's coach? Would he do that? you think he'd take a job that, that small? I don't know if Wade Phillips – I don't know if Wade Phillips really wants – I think Wade Phillips wants to coach. Of course, he said he wants to coach. But do you, do you run Wade Phillips back here to Dallas? You know, do you, do you do that? Is that something that – you know, everybody seemed to like Wade, but if you're Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, do you, do you, you, know, do you say, okay, well, we're okay with that? I mean – I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Wade Phillips would want to do Does that. McCarthy get any say in that? I think he would. I think he would, but if they're if they're giving Mike Nolan high fives in the parking lot, you know, I mean, where where does Wade Phillips you know, Wade Phillips sees himself as a defensive coordinator. Sure. He didn't see himself as a I don't think he sees himself as a position coach. I'm with you. I really, really don't. You know? I'm with I just you. don't. Were you guys surprised at five years? Or is that just kind of going right for a head coach? Now? No, I think that's a going right. That's kind of where the Joneses have been. They've been that way with Garrett, and you know that's kind of where they're at. So, 
No, not. But what does that really mean, though? I mean, yeah. if, if, if I mean, I don't think they're getting rid of him after yeah, one the guy's year. Yeah, he's a billionaire. If, they, if he if he's no good, they'll fire him after three, and then you know we'll we'll, we'll have another podcast talking about who they're bringing in. I think he'll be fine. I, I and I look the roster was not at a point where you needed a full scale change. So you know, I know I've been very very skeptical of uh, McCarthy this whole time. You start to look at it and go, well, who was available? Well, probably not that many people. If the Jones had made a decision, I mean, I, I can't help but think that that Stephen and Jerry and Mike McCarthy had had this kind of all on all three of their radars months ago, though. Just given the way this kind of planned out with a quick interview, and well, what's funny is that if you know Mike McCarthy, rep- represented by Trace Armstrong, the former defensive end mm-hmm. from the uh, Chicago Bears, you know, I mean, he's the same firm as what Jason Garrett with David Dunn. So. Wow, there's some serious, like, you know, talk about making calls from one office to the other and stuff like that. Well, last night's you know? podcast, John Mashoda and Kent uh, both brought up, and Dave was involved in that podcast too, Dave Hellman. Uh, but, but they both brought up, and Kent even talked about going to the owners' meeting about how, you know, he saw Jason and Mike McCarthy talk for a long time. We started getting the vibes, started talking. We were like, wow, actually, Jason and Mike McCarthy are pretty close. Uh, like they know each other pretty well. Like more than yeah. maybe just hey, yeah, head coach, good game. Like they know each other yeah. pretty well. So, you know, again, I, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. That's exactly what goes on in the college game because Jimmy Sexton has everybody. And and yep. I mean, I can tell you from the Florida State experiences, Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher was literally out one day, and and Willie Taggart was in the next, and he was represented by the exact same guy. I mean, Jimmy Sexton runs that thing, and so I, I feel like the, a lot of those guys are probably used to it, and they probably also want to be with that agent because they know that how successful they are and that they're going to be able to get your name in, uh, you know, in the, in the circles that they need to be in when there are situations like this, that I, I know that we wanted to make this all about Mike McCarthy, but I was kind of wondering also what you guys think about the potential of Jason Garrett following um, a Mike McCarthy type path where he takes a year off and then comes back another year. Or do you guys think he will get on a staff think, and coach? Yeah. Right I away? think Jason Garrett is diving into that giants job as fast as he can. You know, I think they're the calls to, you know, to to the Mara family, the Tish family, you know, Dave Gettleman, whatever he has to do to get in in that job. Not, not, that's not to say that he hasn't already done that. You know, I mean, there were some times where Jason Garrett, I mean, I, I had somebody tell me he wasn't in the office last Friday when everybody was talking about meetings and stuff like that, you know, and I had talked to some people in the organization as well that said, you know, Jason had gone to his office, closed his door. So who's not to say that whole time he was taking the opportunity to, kind of get himself together, get a plan together, what he wanted to do. I guarantee you, you know, Matt Rule could be very well be the Giants' first candidate right there. But now that Jason Garrett is officially available, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get an interview out of that job. Not one bit. You know, Carolina had mentioned up front, like, hey, they want to dive in heavy on the analytical side. And they got a new young owner. And you mentioned Josh McDaniel Daniels earlier, some things that you've got yeah, to been he hearing. That, that makes a lot of sense. Garrett from Ohio, Cleveland, maybe make a little sense for Jason? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it could. He always talked about it, and John knows this from, you know, the walk-offs and stuff. He always talked about going to Indians games and sitting in the loge boxes and stuff like that. So, yeah, Ohio, I mean, his dad was in, Cle- in Cleveland for a long time. You know, I mean, if you're if you're one of those guys that's – you're interviewing – uh, Brian Dieball and people like that, you know, at least Jason Garrett has got some skins on the wall when it comes to number of victories and sure. you know, division championships and stuff like that. So, 
you know, if, if you're going to interview a bunch of just assistants, you know, great. You ought to, you know, give Jason Garrett. Now, are you worried about game management stuff? You know, absolutely. You know, but are you worried about putting together a team? Uh, I don't think so because he seems to have a pretty good understanding for that. But yeah, the, the stuff on game day could very well be, uh, could be your downfall right there. All right. So are there any other, I did mention Cobb earlier. I think Cobb, you know, a chance that he would come back maybe if that's something that they want. I know they got to save money and get deals done. I guess before we go, the last thing I'd like to kind of run at you, will McCarthy have any say and, Hey man, can we go and get a deal done with Dak or is that all strictly Steven and the, and the rest of the personnel? You know, how much say does he, ha- he have in something like that or, or yeah, say, I think so to, can he ask about Amari Cooper? Hey, we're going to get this deal done sure, for Dak and Amari. How, how sure. does that work out? Well, the first thing he needs to do is get on the phone when he gets this job, if he hadn't already got on the phone and started talking to Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and those guys. He absolutely needs to get, build some type of a rapport with those guys. He needs to get on the phone with, you know, I mean, this team has got, I believe, John, what, 25 potential free agents. Like, I know they got some restricted guys, too. But this football team, when we all go to Oxnard in July, is going to look remarkably different. And so, you know, there's only certain so many guys they can sign. But McCarthy needs to hit the ground running. He needs to get in there and figure out, okay, well, here's my office. And this is what I have to do, get my staff together. And then once you get that staff together, he's, he definitely needs to get on the phone and try to talk to these players that their contracts are up and see if he can do something to maybe help, uh, you know, you know, pacify those guys. It's going to be about money. It's going to be about deals or longevity of the deal. It's going to be about a lot of different things. But he needs to be able to kind of assure those guys that, listen, you know, if you want to talk about this, I know it's a business, but if you want to talk about it, I'm available. You got my number. Here we go. I think that's going to be really, really important. You know, they got the Senior Bowl coming up here too pretty soon. And, you know, he probably wants to get as much of that done, uh, you know, the hirings he done because John is going to wear his rear out down there at Mobile, <laughs> chasing him all over the city, you know, trying to figure out who he's talking to. So the, as many coaches as he can get done before he gets to Mobile will probably better suit him than not have to deal with a lot of the headache <laughs> of coaches coming up. John coming up to him, people like that wanting to know what the hell is going on. <laughs> That's for sure. The other thing I was going to say, though, is uh, I, fear, I feel very strongly, especially if there was a sleepover involved, like Adam Schefter reported, um, that it was made very clear to Mike McCarthy that Dak Prescott isn't going anywhere. I don't see how he would be that interested in this job if he felt like he was coming in uh, for a, a situation That's where the first yeah, we might have Dak for what? Yeah. 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 I don't see how you would be taking this job if you're just coming to coach a Dak for one year and then potentially, yeah, you know, and, and you're a quarterback guru. Then we're going to draft somebody else next year. We're just going to get one more year out of him or franchise tag him and then move on. I, I find that hard to believe that any of that talk went on. I feel like he was being assured that Dak Prescott is a huge part of this franchise. And really, a lot of those conversations are probably like, how can you make him better? Because this guy's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of interesting though. Like, so you have this time. Like, Dak Prescott's career now will be defined in the hands of Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy, right? Because after these five years, yeah. you know, Dak's been in the league for ten years or whatever. Yeah. Dak's career is defined by Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy. I would have loved to have seen him get a chance at one of those. I've been using the term geometrically savvy guys. Yeah, I just wanted that, but. Maybe that was never available. And, hey, you can't always get what you want, man. And you know what? And it probably never really mattered what we wanted. It was what Steven and Jerry wanted. 
And but hold on, you don't think that Dak has had some pretty good quarterback coaching up to this point? He was a late fourth no, round pick. Sure. He's a Pro Bowl guy. He's going to get forty million dollars a year. Like I don't know. That's the one thing about the Jason Garrett thing that I feel like. Obviously, right now is a great time to just dump on him and that. But like, I don't think Jason Garrett ever got any credit for helping Dak. It was always, oh, is it Kitna? Oh, is it Scott Linehan? Oh, is it Wade Wilson? Oh, is it Kellen Moore? Like, Jason Garrett deserves credit in bringing him along as well. For and, sure. And I think he's gotten pretty good no coaching question. up at this point. No question. I, I totally agree. I agree. It sounds like it sounds like you're knocking Jason. I'm knocking Jason, but I'm not. Like. I just want to see a scheme where guys are running open all the time. And maybe that's not realistic. Maybe that's not even something I can expect. But that's what you want. You see the Chiefs do it, and you go, oh, I'd like to see that. You like to mention the Saints in that, and then you see the Saints get knocked out of the playoffs in the wild card round the other day. Football's weird, man. I think that's the thing that we know about all this. Strange lady. Football's a- <laughs> And then you see that really boring run first defensive team from Tennessee going to Foxborough and move on. Like – that that style of football with your quarterback throwing for how what about, he did how about seventy five yards. Yeah, how about their coach though being a game manager and doing what he needed to kill a minute forty off that clock at the end of that game? <laughs> they were all talking about See, that. That's what you got to do. As it was happening, you got to come up with creative ideas to to make it uncomfortable for the other team. This guy, the reason why this guy lost his job is because he couldn't do that. He really couldn't do that. It's funny at the bar that night watching all that, and we were all going, "Yeah, what would Jason be doing in this situation?" He would not be doing what Vrabel the ball was and doing. him an extra minute 48. <laughs> I mean. Um, all right, guys. So, Mike McCarthy's the new head coach of the Cowboys, sort of. I mean, it's not completely team release official where they have a, you know, one long release written. Just oh, like I think they did. They did. Oh, did they, they send out the release? Maybe I don't John? get those emails anymore. No, they haven't made it official okay. yet. I think that they're supposed to be a – All right, um, KT, you're, a, you're good to go. I'm sorry. I thought – Yeah, they're well, supposed we got to have what a press conference. Garrett. That was it. We got the Garrett. Yeah. yeah. I, it sounds like they're going to have a press conference uh, in the upcoming days. But from all the reports that are out there right now, um, it certainly it seems safe to say that not only is Mike McCarthy the head coach, but it seems pretty safe to say that Mike Nolan's the defensive coordinator as well. All right. Well, guys, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Brought us special guesting again. Really appreciate that. Kent, appreciate you guys too. Thanks for having me back. Kent Garrison for producing. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. And uh, we can probably, you know, I feel like Kai Forbat's got a chance of coming back. So that's good. And then uh, Father John Mashota, thank you so much again for joining us on uh, another, you know, back to back two episodes this week. And we didn't even plan on it. And if anything else hey, breaks in the world of Cowboys. Hey, I'm just happy. Let me just say, I'm just happy because I thought this was going to be drawn out so much longer. <laughs> yeah. I thought there was going to be so many candidates involved. And I know for, for most people listening to this, you're like, yeah, I don't care. I, you know, I wanted them to interview everybody. But for me, I mean, you know, sweaty hands thinking, oh, my God. When, okay, how many more guys do we got here? <laughs> yeah. Like, how much longer are they going to draw this out? Are they going to have a coach by the time that we go to the Senior Bowl? Like, the fact that this is, you know, all wrapped up already, it's made my day pretty happy well guys um i guess we're done so make sure you guys go to the athletic check out our podcast you can listen to that anywhere that you uh listen to podcasts whether it be spotify itunes uh stitcher uh you know you can name all the all the websites but or just listen on the athletic or get the athletic app if you don't have that i would like to recommend that as well john will have stuff up as well bob stern will have stuff up on the website as well and you can all find us on Twitter at Brian Broadus, at Kent Garrison, at John Mashoda. I am at KT Fun Tweets. This has been another Cowboys coaching edition of About Them Cowboys. <laughs>